0: Welcome to the Blue Collar Nation podcast, the podcast dedicated to making the lives of blue-collar business owners better. Before we start the show, may we ask you for a quick favor? Eric and Larry work very hard at delivering the best free content possible. Please help them out by going to iTunes and subscribing, and please leave
1: them a five-star review. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and peers. Now, on to the show. Well, hello, everybody. This is Larry with the Blue Collar Nation podcast. We're so happy to have everybody with us today. And I've got my engaging business partner, Mr. Eric Sprague, with us. What's happening, Mr. Tech Whisper?
2: Are you feeling okay?
1: I'm feeling great. I'm feeling is almost you, as you much as you, never start, as you are.
2: You actually said, I'm engaging and you never say anything nice about me on this podcast. So I'm wondering what's no, wrong. No,
1: no, I've got to, dude. You got to keep people you know engage themselves with you and the podcast because you are the tech whisper. stand back so we got a really cool show today we're very excited and uh eric's drinking there so i had to cover for him for a moment there i don't know what he was drinking was that coffee or that was water you know having an early cocktail <laughs> no you don't drink cocktails though. that's the problem huh right on that yeah. would be me anyway we have a great show today and Listen, we got a cool sponsor today. Does anybody know about the sponsor? Supertech University? Eric, tell them what Super Tech University is.
2: Yeah, Super Tech University is a video training series for home service technicians where we don't talk about technical skills because everybody gets a lot of training on that generally anyway. We talk about soft skills. We talk about the ability to communicate with clients, how to create a five-star service experience, how to overcome objections, how to deal with conflict, all the things that a lot of us as technicians, I know when I started as a tech, I didn't have any of these skills and had to learn them the hard way over the years. So now you can do it in just five minutes a day, five days a week for your entire team. So just go to supertechu.com and sign up.
1: Boom. That was almost as good as what I do. That was better than what you do. <laughs> no, I don't know. We, we could debate that all day long. Sure. Listen, we got to get to the podcast. We've got an amazing guest. Ken's being very patient watching us with our antics. We have Ken Rusk, the author of the Blue Collar Cash book. I've got it here showing on the screen. Oh, my gosh. I made my sample. block. There you go. We're very excited. Ken, Ken, welcome. is a proponent of the trades, owner of Rusk Industries. And we are very happy to see you too. How's it going, Ken? It's going great. Thanks. I appreciate you guys having me.
2: No, great book, man. Really, really enjoyed that book. So maybe uh, for the listener, Ken, you could kind of feel free to take some time and and tell everybody your background story, because I think that's crucial for the rest of the conversation. I think people need to know where you came from and, and how you ended up where you are now.
0: Okay, so real quick, small town Ohio, um, Amherst, Ohio, which is just on the south shore of Lake Erie. And, um, you know, grew up like any normal kid. I had four brothers, we were all in a small house under the age of nine. And um, so there was five of us running around like crazy. And we, we, we lived a pretty Pretty um, lower middle class life growing up uh, and uh, had a lot of fun doing it. And we we always were doing odd jobs. We were always building things, fixing things or or going out and doing odd jobs. And, um, you know, eventually got into high school. And uh, when I was about 15, we would cut through. There, there was a fence between my high school and the industrial park next door. And we would cut through this hole in the fence to go to the carry out and hang out after school. That's just what we did back then. And, um, I, you know, every time I went through there, I noticed there was like always energy people milling around. There was, you know, dump trucks and, you know, backhoes and all that kind of stuff that that uh, that would excite some you know, a young young uh, man at the time. And finally, I just said, what do you guys do here? And they said, "We're we're basically ditch diggers. And I said, OK, well, I can do that. I need, you know gas money for, for my car eventually, or my moped at the time. I need uh, to <laughs> moped, take my girlfriend out for cool. pizza. or That's something. You know? yeah, the toss, just, just, j- just
2: dated yourself with the moped reference.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> All of us. I, uh, you know, I wanted to go bowling with my buddies or whatever. So you know, I wanted a, a, a more substantial job. And so I would dig ditches in the summertime and then I would work in the office in the wintertime while I was still in school. And so I got to kind of learn both halves of the office and um, I did that for three or four years when I was 19 or 18, actually, they asked me to, uh, to help them expand because they were growing, the company was growing and they were launching businesses all around the country. So they wanted me to go help open these, these new, these new franchises. So I did that for a while, lived out of a suitcase for three or four years. And then I said, okay, I want to do this on my own, moved to Toledo, Ohio Started a company with six people. We now have almost 200. And uh, that was many years ago, but uh, it's been a hell of a ride.
2: Oh, that's amazing. And, you know, it was a I,
1: great story in the book. I enjoyed, totally enjoyed the book. And it was, you had a little more details. It was it was a good book. Go ahead, thank Eric.
2: you. I, well, I was going to say I could relate to, and you said it in the book and here as well, how you'd cut through the fence and just the energy of a like a you know like a a blue collar business. It has an energy that you don't see other places. There's just lots of activity and machines. And I used to love that about our service business, and I and I do miss that. After, you know, since we sold like all the trucks and people prepping stuff and loading vans and just there's a lot of action. Yeah. I, I always that appealed to me. Cause I never really like sitting behind a desk all that much. So <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. I well, understand.
0: yeah, it, it's funny because I, right now we probably have 40 vehicles on the road every day and I'm listening. To, you can't hear it, but I'm listening to the backup alarms. And that just means that, you know, they're getting ready to finish their day. And yeah. so, yeah, the activity in the morning, the, the activity in the afternoon, it's really kind of like you said, it's kind of addicting. And, um, uh, that would be something I would miss. And, uh, uh, it's, it's, again, it's, it's been a great experience to, uh, have, it, to to be honored to run this company for this many years.
2: So could you go through the story a, a little further? Because I know, you know, you, you, you literally went on the road, like you packed up every week and you'd be gone and opening new places. So can you, can you walk us through the whole growth of this? And then to the point where you guys went out on your own and we're doing it with, I believe your brother
0: yeah it, it was really interesting because here I am i'm I'm, I'm 18 my you know I, I went to my father and I said listen I have this opportunity to do this or I can go to college and he said well you know you're getting paid to learn how to do something on somebody else's dime and you can experiment how opening a business works so yeah. you're never going to get that kind of knowledge in school and you can always go back and do that if you want to so um yeah I, I remember every weekend I would pack up my clothes and I drive to Chicago or Cincinnati or Columbus and and just kind of live there throughout the week and then drive home on Friday morning. And uh, it was pretty interesting because, you know, here at the time I was probably, I don't know, five, seven or eight and 150, 160 pounds. And I'm walking into these, you know, heavily union organizations in Chicago and I'm telling these plumbers and electricians, how I want them to build out the office. And they were looking at me like, well, who the heck are you to tell us how to do that? Exactly. And I was scared. I was scared to death because these guys were all massive human beings with hard hats and stickers all over. Yeah. <laughs> but I knew what we needed to do. So it was like trial by fire. And uh it's maybe that's the best way to learn something, but it was, it was pretty spooky at the time. And, you know, we opened again, four or five of those places around the Midwest and, and then I thought, well, you know, now that I know how to do this, um, I really need to do this for myself. And I didn't want to live out of a suitcase anymore either. I mean, that's no fun for anyone who's done that. Um, I'd just gotten married. And, and so we decided to settle down here in Toledo. And uh, like I said, you know, we 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 borrowed 50 grand from a bank. And we said if we run out of money, we run out of luck. And yeah. uh, we we scraped everything we could together to make that loan happen. We came out here and started with like six people and slowly built it up survived treaded water for a while and now we we recognize the fruits of our labors and uh it's uh, it's 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 an honor it's it's really an honor to run a business like that and, and to help people grow along with you uh you know during that whole path
1: yeah I think well, the part of... in the book when... Go ahead, Larry uh, I was just talking about the part in the book when you I think it was Tim one of your buddies your colleagues that worked with you for a while and he had a goal and he just worked along and it was a great story about a guy that just was driven, make it happen. You were obviously very leadership, had a lot of leadership with him. And that goes a long way with leading a company, a blue collar company. These opportunities for people are so huge.
0: Yeah, you know, I think the unique thing there is we were kind of writing the script as we went along. I mean, he was my very first coach coaching endeavor. And and guys, just so you know, I, I have no training. I, I went to college for a couple months, didn't like it, couldn't do it. I don't have any letters after my name. Me being a coach is probably illegal in some countries, but <laughs> I I actually sat down with him and said, let's draw what you want your future to look like. And we did. We took, you know, crayons and we just drew what he wanted. You know, he wanted this kind of house and this kind of car and this kind of family, this kind of dog, this kind of hobby, this kind of, and, and we just kind of drew it out with clarity. And he just went at it one piece at a time. And I got to tell you, Every year at the Christmas party, he'd give he's, he's a huge guy. He's like 6'5, 230. And he would pick me up and say, you know, without you, I wouldn't be. And I'm like, no, I, I had 2% to do with this. You had 98%. We just figured out a way for yeah. you to get what you want. And, and to anyone out there who's trying to run a company, you know, in my mind, if you can build people who can manage themselves, who are, who, who can see goals because you help them to see those goals and to be like kind of self-directed and almost like, thanks, Ken, for the training. Now get out of my way and let me do it. You can take your company miles further than you can do it on your own. So, you know, the people here, they if you ask the people here, they'll say, I've heard Ken say a thousand times, I can't get what I want, nor can my company get what it wants or needs until all of you get what you need first. And it's absolutely true. We have to drop the boss ego thing. And, and become someone who is in the business of supporting others to get their goals, even selfishly. And yeah. your company will launch way further than you can do it on your own.
2: Yeah, It's the old Zig Ziglar adage. If you help people get what they want, you'll always have what you want to, or some version of that. So, um, yeah. well, then, you know, my question would be, you know, I think my first question would be, if you hadn't worked for the company for so long and seen every little aspect of it, do you do you think you could have made it a go of it without that? Not training. Well, it must have helped. Must have helped. helped.
0: There, there's no doubt that it helped. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and I encourage anyone who thinks that they want to take this entrepreneur path. And by the way, entrepreneur is not a word you can draw. It's kind of a vague concept, and that's why I talk about it in the book. So. I would encourage anyone to go out and experience the field that they want to eventually run their own business in. Absolutely. And, um, for me, uh, if somebody comes here and they give me, you know, three, five, seven good years, and then they want to go do something on their own, Hey, have at it. Okay. Uh, I've had the benefit of your experience for that period of time. And, um, and hopefully I've presented that person in a way that they'll present the industry in a moral and an ethical way as well. So,
2: Absolutely.
0: yeah, I, I think I think it's incumbent upon all of us to help out as many people as we can. And like you said, we end up benefiting along the way.
2: Yeah. You know, you, always, you hear in our world like, oh, I'm not going to train so and so because they'll just leave me. And it's like, well, if you don't train them, they might stay. <laughs> Yeah. And they're terrible. You know? <laughs> right. It's like, why, yeah, which why is would worse. You, why you train them? You know, if, yeah. and, 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 you know, what we found it, exactly. is the more that you put into somebody, the longer they're going to stay anyway, because they appreciate it. They're happy. They, they're not, Well, as you know, I was lucky.
0: I was lucky. I, I, lucky. I, I, um, I had some interaction with a guy named Tom gallisano and he is the, the guy who founded paychecks on, on $1,700, by the way. Um, and one of the things that he said uh, in his book, which I thought was cool, was, you know, your goal should be to create entrepreneurial employees. These are people that feel like they own their department. They feel like they own their, their, their schedule, their destiny, their time, their control. They feel like they own the result, but yet they are still working inside the envelope of your company. Yeah. And in that way, they don't feel like they need to leave because they're in control of their world where they're at. And and you benefit immensely from that situation. Those people are typically a smidge more expensive to have around, but that's good because that's what you want, because they're they're driving you again further than you can drive yourself. So I do think I do think there's two ways to look at that. And and certainly having, you know, taking the path of an entrepreneurial employee supporter is is definitely one way that I would recommend.
2: Yeah. No, I agree with that. Larry and I did that too. We have you ever read the book The Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly? Have you ever heard of that book? No, I have not. Met, I have that's not a that that's one. a must read. That's a really interesting read. And the, the concept is that the, it's a story of a person that owned a janitorial a big janitorial company in in Ohio in Cincinnati, and um, they had four hundred and forty percent year on year turnover. <laughs> so they're turning over every position wow. four times a year, right? And the book goes through. It's basically a servant leadership uh, model of how they turned it from that to actually having a waiting list for employees by investing in people. Unbelievable! You know, so really interesting read. Um, I I would like time on
1: people, time and energy, and yeah energy and education. Go ahead, Eric, you want to move on. What are you going to tell us about? Well, I,
2: want, I wanted Ken to tell us a story about Minnesota and then I wanted to, to, to dig into that a little bit. So Ken, you had a story in the book about a guy that you just called Minnesota. So maybe if you could kind of retell the story and then we could get into, you know, the the comfort and freedom and all the other things to go with that as well. Like sure. inter, intertwine those.
0: So, so, I, I believe that everything starts with a vision. And, and to make this real simple, you know, you get in your car, you put it in reverse, you back it out of the driveway, you put it in drive, you know where you're going. I mean, you don't ever do that exercise and go, where the heck am I going? Right. So, there's a plan and there's a vision for almost everything we do every day. What I'm saying is, we don't use enough of our brain, enough of our visionary side to create. The life that we eventually want for ourselves. And those lives are all very, very different. You know, I I I once I, I took 20 guys that were here and I said, draw your favorite vacation on this piece of paper. Every vacation was different. Some were in the mountains, some were, you know, hunting, some were on the beach, some were Disney World with their family, you know, hiking, they were all different. And that's that's good because they were all right. Okay. That's what they were after. So I remember being at um and it's funny because when i wrote the book he was one of the first stories that i remember i remember being in a at a place in um in cancun mexico and um it was one of those all-inclusives and so when you got there you had this colored wristband on your wrist and that told everyone working there when you got there and when you're leaving so they could kind of help you throughout your process right and um so th- this one particular gentleman he had uh he had like seven or eight bracelets on his wrist. And I, I saw him at the bar every night. You know, you pay for your drinks with beads that you buy and wear around your neck. It's a really, really unique scenario. So he had all these beads and he had all these bracelets. And finally, I said, tell me about your story. Why do you have all these bracelets? And he said, well, I'm from Minnesota and I'm a grass cutter. I'm a, a landscaper guy. I mow lawns with my crew. And he said, I work really, really hard from April through like November, okay, to do all the work that I can. And I have a nice little ranch house. I have a five-year-old pickup truck that runs perfectly and a little barn behind it. Um, And I maintain my equipment in November and December. And then I check out and I leave the world, January, February, and March. So for three straight months, I travel to all these different club meds and experience all these different people and I just unplugged completely. And I was like, You got to be kidding me. Three straight months, you're just hanging out doing nothing. He goes, Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and he goes, But I work really hard the rest of the year because this is my vision for the life that I want for myself. And I thought, well, first off, who has the stones to do that? Okay. Yeah. Because not, not that's many a people. Unique, yeah. Not many people. And um, but then I thought, how brilliant that. This is his nirvana, okay? That's his measure of life, his comfort, peace, and freedom piece that he really wants to create for himself. And I couldn't wait. I never even got the guy's name. That's why I call him the grass cutter from Minnesota. And uh, I think that story, I've told that a lot of people have read the book and a lot of people have heard that story. And they said, you know what? That really changed the way I look about what I'm doing in my own life because those are some simple choices, but they're pretty cool if you think about it.
2: Hey, did you guys know that Larry and I rebranded Morning Tech Meeting to Super Tech University? Yeah, we did. And we're super excited. New logo, new colors, and also a bunch of new packages. We realized that it's not a one-size-fits-all thing for this kind of training, right? So we needed to have packages for everybody's needs, you know, because some people wanted less than Morning Tech Meeting had. Maybe they only wanted a couple of days a week, right? So we have packages starting now at just $47 per month, right? For a couple of days of training a week. And then we have packages that for people who wanted more than we were providing. So they wanted some coaching. They wanted some other stuff. So now there are five packages to choose from at supertechu.com. Go to our new website, supertechu.com. And check out the packages. There's descriptions for each one. There has to be one that would fit your company very, very well. So again, rebranded Super Tech University. Just go to supertechu.com and check out all the cool new packages. You know, you, you kind of lay out the comfort, peace, and freedom. Can you, can you lay that out for the listener of what, what that means? And then we can maybe dig into a little conversation about, you know, what that means for different people? Because I, I had some thoughts about that I wanted to talk to you about.
0: Yeah. So this, this was actually, this started because um, I, I, w- I remember I was writing a letter to my daughter who was suffering from a pretty serious illness at the time. And um, that was a scary five years. I mean, as a parent to have your kids suffer from cancer, it's, it's just, it's tough. And um, luckily, she's good now. She came through it um, pretty well. I can't imagine. It's had
1: to have been such a tough period for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it was really tough. So I had a lot of time sitting around in waiting rooms and contemplating life and thinking about what was important. So I thought, you know, I'm going to write a letter to her about what I think she should eventually chase in life. If you're going to chase something, what should it be? And, you know, we're not all going to go after her mega yachts and 15 cars and mansions and all that other kind of stuff or you know being a rap star or a social influencer or whatever it might be you need to pick out like the grass cutter did you need to pick out that piece that that nirvana that you're looking for and those three words kept coming back to me almost like in a triangle where they were interdependent upon each other comfort peace and freedom so you know comfort isn't just pajamas or, or a comfy couch it's comfortable with who you are, what you want, you know, how you present yourself to others, how they see you um, it, it's kind of a overriding calm that you can have about about who you are as a person and, um, and and what that looks like and means specifically and only to you, okay then you you get into peace. Um, I, I look at it this way. you know peace can mean not at war, sure but peace can mean a lot more than that. Uh, Take your dog for a walk in the park and tell me if you're not finding peace. Okay. Because there's a lot of ways that people can kind of unplug and should unplug to get rid of all of these daily stressors that we just get inundated with all the time. And to be able to find peace is, is rare. And once again, if you do, you're amongst the very few. Now, if you have those two concepts combined you are you are afforded a certain amount of mental freedom to be, you know, instead of frustrated or angered or busy, you're now spontaneous and you're, you know, you're you're free to do the things that you want to do to take the time that you want to do them. And I go into it a lot longer in the book, but if you combine these three terms, if you can say that I have comfort, peace, and freedom in my life, you've nailed it. And and you you probably have beaten you know, 99% of the population out there to be able to do that. And, and it's within reach and it's under your control. That's the best part about it.
1: Yeah, It's um something we all need to figure out. Well, I mean, just like with Minnesota, he found out what his comfort and peace and freedom was. And he just, everybody needs to lean towards it. It's, a lot of people are afraid to do something like that, to come up with what they really want, but there's a lot of value in Eric and I, Eric's the dreamer. He always gets me to, come up with all these things that i want to come up with that uh are and we're always opposite either as well which is entertaining
2: well one of the things i was thinking about can i i hope you don't mind i want to play devil's advocate for a little bit yeah so sure. you know in the book you had kind of laid out a few scenarios where you know people were like an an owner operator right so that you can you can be like minnesota and you you know cut grass all summer and take the thing. But I mean, Larry and I know from being in the trades a long time, so a lot of owner operators, they, they have less freedom than, than employees. They, they're slaves to their business. They're constantly working, constantly just working to make payroll. And then, you know, I always think of, you know, it, it sounds so great in paper to be an owner operator because it's like, I'm out doing, like say I'm a plumber. I love plumbing. I've always loved to be a plumber. But all of a sudden, by the time you're like my age, like 55, can you really be out being a plumber every day, right? So I guess I would like to address the idea of having a scalable turnkey business versus being an owner operator long-term because I th- I think there's a lot of risk that comes with being an owner operator, especially as you age.
0: Yeah, well, first off, there's a couple of things. Um, let me address the, the, that, that part first. And then I want to get to something a little newer, which, which is interesting, but so this is very controversial because everyone wants to play. I have my own company and that, that, that affords them certain characteristics that they think are, are, are important. I'm the boss. I control everything. I get involved in everything. I make all the decisions. And when I go home and my wife says, how was your day? I say, well, I solved this and I fixed that. And I gave this guy an answer and I made that thing happen. And and okay, good. I'm proud of you for that. Yeah. I have a completely different take and I've used this my entire career. My goal as as an owner operator is to become absolutely irrelevant to the business.
2: Yeah. Well, okay. I'm good with that because at that point you have a turnkey business. You, you could go away for eight weeks and they're doing the work. Like I'm, I'm, I'm with you. That That's always been my vision as well. But you know, right. what about the guy who's afraid to do that because Larry and I have been part of a lot of coaching groups and guys, they never get there. They're always stuck on the truck.
0: But yeah, I mean, it, it is a decision. There's no doubt. I mean, you, again, I, I think for a lot of those people, they need to figure out are they are they working to live or living to work i mean yeah you know we, we got 80 90 years on this planet and those should be as good as they can possibly be so you know i, I think there's probably a good work life balance there that people need to learn more about i think there's a lot more buckets they need to fill that they don't think about like charity you know giving back um health hobbies sports the things that keep them alive and keep them healthy right. um i'm a huge health hobbyist i'm i'm into I'm into stem cells and, and biologics and you know, all those types of things. So to keep me going and keep me on the golf course and keep me working. So I just think that that for people who are afraid to take that step, it's because they don't necessarily see what the, award, the reward of that is clearly enough. And I'd love to talk to them about, well, let's draw what your world should look like. I mean, what, what would you do if you had this scenario? Okay, a few more dollars in in your pocket, a few more hours in your day and a little more time and freedom to be able to pursue these other things. What would you do? And I get a lot of blank stares because people aren't used to being asked that question. Right. So they can't see
1: past the world.
0: Yeah, they have to challenge themselves to be bigger than their company to be worth. They they have to be more than just what their company is and not let that define them completely.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly because. You know, we Larry and I come from the water damage and carpet cleaning world, and we have so many carpet cleaning friends that you know are owner operators who have very profitable, great businesses, but they're completely reliant on that person pushing the wand themselves. And you know, Larry and I were always like, mm, I want to be pushing a wand as little as humanly possible, <laughs> you know. Because
0: yeah,
2: right. Well, not even just so that oh I can go spend tons of time with a boat, but like, what if I get hurt? I, I gotta have somebody that can do this or I'm out of income.
0: <laughs> well, and how about this one? You know, my daughter got sick. I had to take her all over the country. Okay. Yeah. And I basically I, I basically came came to the office and I said, guys, you know, this is on you. Uh, you, you need to make this happen because I need to make this happen.
2: Right. And um,
0: I, I thank the Lord every day that I had the ability to just pick up and go to, to, to Philadelphia and not have this thing stop. Um, And, and, and again, she was 12 at the time and that taught me a big lesson. So I got to tell you guys, you know, I watched every golf swing she ever took in her life. And I, I did that on purpose because I thought, oh, my God, I mean, what am I really doing? Am I am I grinding dollars or am I living? Right. And um, that that can teach you a pretty quick lesson. And, and again, I, I encourage anyone who lives to work to really stop and turn that around and say, what am I living? OK, am I working to live? And what does living mean? And, and try to flip that switch a little bit. And, and here's another thing. You know, You might think, well, employees are expensive. Well, yes, they are. But I can tell you that every nickel I spent on, you know, a manager for this department or a manager for that department, as I grew, that came back in in spades of more revenue coming in, and so it they totally paid for themselves. Yeah, and um, it's just a risk you have to take, but it's one that I'm willing to talk about because I think it's the only way to live.
2: So, well, let's. This is great. So let's unpack that a little bit. So if I'm a, you know basically an owner operator maybe i have a couple people working right what would your advice be to to get to that point where they could have more of a scalable business so that if you know something happened in their life they actually could leave and it continues to go like it was for you like what were what were some of the steps that needed to be taken to get there so that you did have that freedom should you need to not be there
0: well it, again the very first thing i did is i got some of these potentially um solid people around me and I said okay this is the level of our company right now okay i want to take it to this level i need more people to do that i want you to help me do that and guess what if you think you're making x now you get a substantial share of y okay so now my company's doing x amount of million dollars a year i want to take that to the next level and if and when we do that, you're all going to get this much of that growth. Right. Well, I'm telling you guys, they were like, Ken, get the hell out of the way. Let's go. Right. And we started with things like annual vacations, and then we started with the annual bonuses, and then we started with quarterly bonuses and profit sharing. And if, if they could see that they were actually in control of their own income, they were like, let's roll. And it, the staff just grew around that because everyone that's in that, everyone that's in this building is involved in that type of program. So yeah, yeah you got to be willing to share the, the pot, but only the pot that's grown, you know, you, right. you share in what, in the growth. And I'm telling you uh, that it'll take you a lot further than you can do it on your own. That's for sure. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I, I remember Larry and I, we would sit in meetings with the, all our team and, you know, we basically make sure everybody understood. Like, cause we looked around and go like, that person's better at accounting than us. That person's better than sales than us. That better person's better at marketing. That person's a better technician than I ever was. Right. And all, you know, and then we would celebrate that fact with them. Hey, you know what? You, you're amazing. Like we, we couldn't do that. Right. And all of a sudden they're taking ownership of that position in a big, big way. I think it's powerful.
0: But now there's, and there's another level to that. Okay. So now you have this money, what are you doing with it? I mean, I get really deeply involved in setting personal goals for everybody here because if you're not chasing something, if you're just living for Friday, this isn't the place for you. Okay. Uh, and, And when I talk about goals, you know, I don't talk about goals in that. Oh, you should have a goal, set a goal. Let's do a goal. no, They're they're very specific. Okay. I want to go see my aunt in Ireland and I want to do that in the next couple of years. Okay. That trip's going to cost me three thousand dollars. I want to do that in three years. That's a thousand dollars a year. That's twenty dollars a week. Go to the payroll clerk, take that 20 a week and stick it in that account. And we are gonna celebrate every single week with you until that three years comes. And if you think that's a long time, three years goes by in a flash. Well, Guess what? She went to Ireland, she saw her aunt, loved it, took pictures of it, came back, and now she's on her second goal and her third goal and her fourth goal. And Ken, Ken, that's, that's exa- the point that's where exact, I'm talking about
2: that's exactly the dream manager book. What you just explained without having ever read the book, is how they stopped their turnover problem and got people wanting to work there and engage because all of a sudden the company's taking enough care in them to help them reach their life goals. Because like you said, we we're not living to work. We're working to live all of us.
0: A hundred percent. And the best part is is once they do one goal, even if it's a small one, I want to pay off this nagging visa. Okay. Or the one gal here, she had to pay her dad back twenty five hundred dollars to uh to from a car that she, that he bought for her. And you know, it was thirty eight dollars a week, and a couple years later it was gone. And she was like, wow that really happened. And you, you just get them involved in one or two of those goals. And then I'm telling you, stand aside and get out of their way because they will propel themselves in a selfish way. And I love that. And they will propel propel you and your business at the same time.
2: Yeah. No, that's really interesting. Uh, I'd like to shift gears quickly because I thought your dad had an amazing story and it was, it was a really interesting story. And, you know, I think Larry and I related to it because I think our parents are probably similar age to to yours. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about Stan?
0: Well, first off, he was a he was a pretty hardcore marine and um <laughs> he used to line us all up and make us make the beds and bounce the quarter off of the of the bedspread. he would do all that stuff, so nice. um but 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 his his growing up was really cool because again, Imagine a 12 year old kid getting on a bus by himself and then getting on a train and then getting off the train to another bus and going to his job every day in the summertime. And he, this is before they had like, you know, Faxes and all that kind of stuff. So he would take copies of contracts and he would deliver them to different accounting offices and lawyers' offices. And he would get in cabs to do this and he'd ride his bike around downtown Cleveland. His, parent, his parents, parents would I, be
2: in jail if that happened now.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah, it would be child endangerment. It would yeah. be you know, they'd they'd take your your child your kid away from you. I mean, so so it, it's it's really it's really unbelievable to see that that was just something that was okay to do, right? Um, and he loved doing it because he made money. And then he, he he started waxing cars and then he would work in at grocery stores. And I think the funniest part about his story was, you know, he really wanted to manage a grocery store because they gave him one department, then they gave him two, then they gave him three, and he made them all really good. And then he went and got a whole store and he made that store really good. This is for Kroger's, by the way. And they said to him, well, you know, um, we need you to have a college degree before we can get you to uh, run one of these stores. And he's like, well, how do you figure that? You know, because I'm kind of like running these stores now. And they said, well, you know, we want to start sending people to train. And then if you train them, we'll talk further. So then he would train these managers to become managers and they would go out and open stores. And then a couple of years later, he said, I want to go do this. And they said, You can't. And he said, Why? He said, Well, you haven't gotten your college degree yet. And he said, But I'm training people that have college degrees. Yeah, I mean it makes no sense. I'm training I'm training your managers. So they looked at each other and they said, Well, let's not tell anyone upstairs, let's just make him a manager. And he became the youngest manager of a Kroger's in their history at wow. twenty one or two years of age.
2: Wow. So it's amazing. Pretty cool story. So is your dad just like super go getter? I mean, just super driven.
0: Yeah. You you would call him a, you would call him a triple A. Um, I used to, I used to have to shine his shoes and I used to have to wash the cars and I used to have to, you know, anything I did, it had better be perfect. And, you know, I had to go out when I waxed the cars, I'd have to get the toothbrush and where the trunk met the fender, I'd have to get all that stuff out of there. And if the wire wheels weren't like spotless, I had to do it over. And, you know, looking back on that was he tough on us yeah he was tough but you know he also in in, in in i guess inserted a sense of you know that imperfect perfectionism in each one of us that um that that kind of helped help throughout i mean you know we could do a whole nother subject on parenting guys you 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 know that and um i was lucky i mean he was he was a traveling salesman so i didn't see him a lot only on weekends but uh it, it was it was pretty good stuff that um you know, having that discipline within our household and it was necessary with five little kids. So.
2: Hey everyone, Eric here with Blue Collar Nation podcast. And I would just like to take a moment to talk about my favorite magazine, for the cleaning and restoration industry, and that is CNR Magazine. I've been a longtime reader of CNR Magazine, and now my good friend Michelle Blevins Mm -hmm. has purchased that magazine and is growing it at an amazing rate. So if you're in the cleaning and restoration industry, you will be excited to hear that not only can you get CNR Magazine digitally, but you can also get it for free in print form, actual paper where you get to sit on your couch and read it which if you're my age, that's appealing. So all you have to do is go to cnrmagazine.com and that's c-a-n-d-r-magazine.com to get your free subscription. And it's even in print. So if you want to stay on top of what's going on in the cleaning and restoration industry and here, you know get to see a lot of cool articles by a lot of very smart people, go to candr Magazine. Yeah. So, how do you think his example or teachings influenced you on your entrepreneurial journey?
0: Well, I I would say this when I talk about in the book about these nine characteristics that every entrepreneur has, I I actually believe we all have these characteristics within us. We just need a reason for them to come out, and and I absolutely believe that. Because I've seen people that weren't entrepreneurs, but all of a sudden they had a goal that they really wanted to hit, and man, look out—they just blossomed into this new goal-crushing person. But yeah, I think things like, you know, persistence and resilience, and you know, doing it over, and and um, courage and faith and, and initiative and humility—he he gave us a lot of those things, especially the hard-nosed stuff. You know, like go do it, go fix it, go make it right, go make it perfect. Call yeah. me when you're done. You know, there's some suffering in that, but I think it's good suffering.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. So, what's ne- What's next for you, Ken? I mean, I know you did the book, and I know you're coaching. So, what's uh, what do you think the next? I, mean, I know I I haven't known you very long, but I know there's something next.
0: <laughs> well, you know that that's interesting because I, whenever I think of a book, I think of okay, a lot of people sit in front of their bookshelves. On, on especially on Zoom calls like this. And there's all these books and they've read all these books. And sometimes I think they're more trophies than they are anything else, because I read these books, I put them up on the shelf, they're trophies. And did they really put any of those practices to work, right? So because I know this, <laughs> and because I know of, of the experience I've had as coaching, I built this course. It's It's a simple thing. It's it's eight weeks, one hour per week. Um, you could do it in a weekend if you really wanted to. But, you know, I've seen courses that were $500, $1,500, $2,000. No, this course is 99 bucks. You get a free $25 copy of Blue Collar Cash. And if you buy this course, I will donate one in your name to either someone you know or someone here um, that that needs it in the community. So if you're it's helping cool. yourself, you're also helping someone else in the process. And we launched the course and it's starting to take off. And it, it's pretty cool because people are calling me and saying, hey, I quit smoking. Hey, I, I lost 42 pounds or, you know, I, I set off on getting rid of that dad. Or, you know, I, I, I one guy said, I loved being a plumber, a plumber's assistant when I was 19. My parents made me go to college. Uh, now I'm sitting in his cubicle at 45 years of age selling medical supplies. I hate it. I read your book. I'm going to go be a plumber again, and he is, and he's never been happier. So, just stuff like that makes the, makes that whole thing worthwhile.
2: Oh, that's cool. So, can you can you give our listeners a little bit of info as to what's inside the course, the eight weeks, like just some highlights, maybe? There, I think you're muted. Well,
0: uh, again, I I don't I don't think anything happens if you're baking a cake, you start with a recipe, okay? If you're planning a vacation, you start with a destination and you visualize every aspect of that, okay? If you're buying a car, we used to have these things called brochures where you'd take the brochure at home and you would figure out how to build the car the way you wanted it. In, in any part of life, there's some way to plan or vision or see what it is. And You guys have had this happen to you where someone is having a conversation with you. And at the end of every sentence, they say, do you see what I mean? Do you see what I mean? Well, what they're doing is they're asking you to see the pictures that they have in their head so that you better understand what they're trying to tell you. I'm saying we should anticipate and visualize every single aspect of our life, just like we do a vacation, because we're all good at doing that, right? So the course starts out with what do you want? your own life to look like. Not what anybody else wants for you, what you want for you, okay? You and only you know what this looks like. So let's start with that. Let's build that out. And then let's learn the disciplines along the way that it takes to make those things happen, keeping your head straight, keeping your your, your mind straight, keeping your goals clear, and then going after these things one step at a time.
2: Yeah. Uh, Larry, you coming
1: in? No, I think the course sounds great it's something that people want to reach their goals and they need to address them. Many people don't re- address their goals in the first place. And if you have a simple course that breaks it down to people that it's affordable, that's amazing.
2: I, I love the visual where, where part.
1: Yeah. Now where can people find out about the course?
0: You, well, you can get it at kenrusk.com and, um, there's a mechanism there where you go in and you buy the course and then you get your free book download. And then you can donate one, the the, the free course and the free book download for somebody else. And uh, you know, I'm just thrilled. I I didn't do this to write again. I I didn't do this to, I didn't write this book to make money. Okay. My life was really good before that. Okay. Very blessed, very grateful. And I give back a ton because I I believe in that. Um, This is just one more way of me doing that because I donate most of the proceeds to charity anyway. So um, yeah, go to kenrest.com and you can, you know, work your way through the book and the course and, and figure out how to get it there.
2: Well, awesome. Larry, I think you're muted. Um, Ken, thank you so much for joining us. Please, please, please go, go do the course, the eight week course. It's totally worth it. You know, I, uh, like Larry had mentioned, I'm a big dreamer and and I'm super visual. I have to draw everything out in a notebook that I'm anything I want to accomplish. I, I have to see it and try to take it from my mind to paper somehow. To, to make it a you know, goal sheet.
1: For I'm going to get him a big box of Crayola, a big box of crayolas.
2: <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You, Ken, you're He's taking it to, to the ready. next level. It's good stuff. <laughs> so anyway,
1: I'll I, let him draw on his face so we can get that yeah. all cleared up.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and I suggested everybody go get a call, a, a, a copy of the blue collar cash book, because I really enjoyed that. Ken, uh, I, I thought it was really yeah, well. Thank you. And yeah, uh, and it addresses a lot of the things, and yeah, maybe one of these days we got to come back and just talk about getting people into the trades. That that like I was going to open that can of worms, but it, we would have been here all day, all day. And um,
0: well, you know what? I'm happy to do it. It's an important thing, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to do it because so many kids are getting tossed into this corral that they don't belong in, and um, it would be really cool to see them going out and creating something with their own two hands and making a huge living doing it. So. I mean, yeah. there's so
1: much plan. opportunity as well.
0: Oh, big time! Big time.
1: trades. Uh, it, isn't
2: like the average age of a master plumber is like 54, and a master electrician is like 57. And you know, I mean, yeah, our society can't yeah. run without people doing these things. <laughs> so
0: it's, it's oh, so and, embarrassing. And, and people, you know, it's it, it's so funny, guys, because even the most hardcore, uh, you know, opponent of what I what my message is, you know. They they they're like these you know they're e- elitist uh, educational you know like you know you got to get all the schooling you can and you got to do this or you're stigmatized and blah blah blah. Even they will turn around and say, "What the hell? I just paid a thousand dollars to get an electrical outlet put in my house. Yeah, <laughs> the guy was only here for an hour, and I'm like,
2: bingo, there yeah, you go. Okay, exactly. So
0: you keep well, doing that, it, and then,
2: <laughs> well, you know, and here's the scary part wait five or six, five to 10 more years when all of those guys retire and oh, yeah. there's nobody to replace them. Now you're paying 2000 oh, yeah. and you're going to wait six weeks. Absolutely. You know, yeah, they'll so be making they,
0: more money than, than lawyers and doctors yeah. and accountants. That's for sure. never <laughs>
2: been a better young people listening. There's never been a better time to get in the trades right now. <laughs> so, yep. all right. So uh, Ken, one last time, how to find your book and how to get your course.
0: So go to KenRusk.com and you can work your way through the book, the course there at the top, and and it'll, it'll work your way how to how to get through the buy buttons and figure out where to go. And it's a pretty simple process. And again, I, I just appreciate anyone who goes there and does it because you're not only helping yourself, but you're going to help out somebody else at, at the same time.
2: That's perfect, Ken. Thank you so much cool. for coming on the podcast. Pleasure well, to be with you Ken. guys.
0: Very a lot cool. of fun. I really you. appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar
0: Nation podcast. For more information on what Eric and Larry do, please visit www.morningtechmeeting.com or visit us on our Facebook page, Blue Collar Consulting. Thank you and see you back here next week with another amazing episode of the Blue Collar Nation podcast.